Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, please open our ears, our hearts, and our minds to the words that you have prepared for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we'll be looking at 1 Thessalonians, and if you haven't found it yet, it is in your pew Bible on page 1089. And sometimes when we read some of these epistles, we kind of read through them quickly, and we miss some really good meat that's in them. Um, So we're going to go, we're going to dissect this reading a little bit. And first we're going to start with the idea of prayer, because Paul starts all his epistles with prayer. So if you go through and, and look at Romans and Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, and on and on, and Timothy, and all of them, he starts them greeting with prayer. And he starts 1 Thessalonians this way as well. And he starts like this. To the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He starts by adoring who God is. And when I looked at that, it made me think of in the Sunday school room at the old camp, at the Evansville campus, when I used to teach Sunday school, we had this ginormous yellow circle that had, it divided into quarters, and in the circles, or in the pie, pie pieces, were the letters A, C, T, and S. And then we had a spinner in the middle. And what we would do is we would take that spinner, and we'd flick it, and whatever letter that that land, the spinner landed on, that was the type of prayer that the child would pray. So the A was for adoration. Just what Paul starts us out here. God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praising and adoring God for who he is. And that's how we open our worship. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And when we go before him, recognizing his holiness and our sinfulness, praising God for who he is. The C is for confession, and in this section, Paul doesn't really use that part, but he does use the T, which is for thanksgiving. And what is he thankful for, or who is he thankful for? We give thanks to God always for all of you, for all of the Thessalonians, because word has gotten back to him that they are remaining faithful. And he's thankful for their steadfastness in the, in the gospel. Now, to give you a little bit of background on Thessalonica, it was a Greco-Roman city. They didn't have Roman soldiers there. So it kind of ran itself, but had a very good relationship with Rome. And they did worship the Greco-Roman gods, Zeus, Aphrodite. But they also had an underground cultish religion with Anubis and Isis and some Egyptian gods. And so Paul knew that when these Thessalonians that were converted and saved by the gospel, were sharing their faith that they did so under great affliction. And he tells us that later on. We'll get to that. And he prays for them. The S, supplication. You know, a lot of times this section 
takes up most of our prayers. That's where we tell God our needs. Sometimes we treat God as a genie in a bottle and we lay all the needs out before him. But we forget to adore him and worship him. We forget to confess before him because when we go before him, we are sinful and he is holy. We forget to thank him for the many blessings that we have, our friends, our family, our jobs, our shelter, food to eat, the country we live in, safety, our health, and many more things. But here he does pray for and ask for grace and peace for the Thessalonians so that they can continue in sharing the gospel. Now, when he's praying and when we pray, what does that do? Why do we pray? Well, we know that Abraham and Moses bartered with God, if you will, in prayer and changed his mind. He didn't kill, he didn't burn off Sodom and Gomorrah until there were not 10 faithful souls. And he didn't annihilate the Israelites that he wanted to do because of Moses saying, whoa, whoa, they're just going to say you drove them into the desert to kill them. So we, we pray with confidence knowing that he hears us. And we pray with focus outside of ourselves. We pray for others. We pray for their situations. We pray a non-prideful prayer, one like Jesus taught us to pray. And this is the, the way that Paul is praying here. Adoration, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Forgive us our trespasses. Give us our daily bread. But something else happens when we pray. Something happens in us. God changes us. Maybe if you had kids or if you didn't have kids when you were young, you might have had some friends. I did. I remember my parents pulling me aside and saying, hey, we really don't want you to hang around these kiddos. They're kind of trouble. You know, you might get roped into the wrong thing. Well, why did they say that to us? Well, science has shown us that the company that we keep influences our decisions and it changes us. We become more like the company we keep. But we knew that long before science said it. Because scripture tells us that when we're in communication and relationship with God, he changes us. The Holy Spirit inside of us changes us and makes us more like Christ and less like the world. It's a change that we see here that's happened in the Thessalonians. And Paul calls them out and says, hey, look, clearly he has chosen you and he has chosen all of us here. He's chosen us. And call us out. How does he draw us? We're, the song that we sang, draw me close to you. How does he draw us? He draws us through his word. 
He draws us to himself through his word, through scripture. He calls to us and draws us close. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He calls us through our baptismal promises. When the water and the word, the the words that we hear combined with the water, do a work in us. God's word is not a noun. God's word is a verb. It's an action. When he speaks, things happen. Things change. People change. Hearts soften. Jason can back me up in seminary. They call that performative. And they've been hammering us that God's word is performative. It performs something. It does something. It is not idle. It goes out to do its will. And when the Holy Spirit is inside of us, he uses and grows that faith and changes us. We have a fancy church word for that. It's called sanctification. But really all that means is that he's making us more Christ-like. And we see that the Thessalonians are being changed too because in verse 6 it says, You became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example with much affliction, with much suffering. We need to remember that the Holy Spirit that's within us is powerful. He comes to us in power. Just like he says here, we're going to go backwards in verse 4, or excuse me, verse 5. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Knowing with full assurance that this is the truth. And that this is the power of God inside of the Thessalonians and inside of you and inside of me. So when my kids were young, and I don't know how this game started. um, We don't have a name for it, but I can probably guess who started, but I'm not going to say his name. And since I have three sons, I can say his. Um... So what we would do is, you know, sometimes you are on the road and you play games like I Spy or Find the Alphabet. Not the Sager family. (laughs) We played a game where we would try to kind of gross people out a little bit. And our game was kind of, in. we called, I guess we could call it Inside Outside. So we would start with ice cream on the outside and everybody would go, mmm. And then you'd think of like the nastiest thing that you could put on the inside and be like, ketchup on the inside. And everybody would gross out. But that's not what Paul is seeing in the Thessalonians. If Paul was playing that game with the Thessalonians, he would say, Jesus on the outside. Mm. 
Jesus on the inside. Mm. Because what was on the inside was living outside of them and so that the world could see their faith. The world could hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it was made evident because they were turning from those idols. Those Greco-Roman gods that had no power. They were set apart, continuing to be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. This is not the first time God has done that. The Israelites, he called them out to not have the gods of the other Canaanites and the other ites around them. And he calls us out too. He calls us out to not have the gods or the idols of our world, the idols of success or money or power or fame or vanity. There can even be good things that could turn into idols, maybe relationships, maybe your job, anything that is put above God is an idol. Are we set apart? Not always, Caden. Not always. You're right, but praise be God that we can be forgiven. We're not. I'm not. But with the power of the Holy Spirit and His help in us, sanctifying, growing that faith, strengthening that faith, we're able to serve. We're able to share. And it's a different kind of serving. It's not out of obligation. It's not out of anything other than the love that's inside of us because of God and what he's done through Jesus Christ that we want to get on the outside so the world can see it. On the outside of us, in our circle of influence, and on the outside of this building, in our community. How powerful would it be if God would come into this church and say, your faith in God has gone, gone forth everywhere. We don't need, I don't need to say anything. That's what Paul said to the Thessalonians as they were sharing the gospel of Jesus. They were living what was on the inside of them, on the outside. As they share that gift of God's grace. When I was teaching Sunday Morning Live, which was the three-year-olds through fourth grade, Sarah and I talked, and, you know, people get told a lot that it's scary to share your faith. It's scary to share your faith. I'd like to change that narrative. Because the Holy Spirit is in each one of us. It's His power that changes and gives faith. It's not us. We don't have anything to worry about. In fact, Jesus says if they reject us, great is our reward in heaven. 
I'm not afraid of a reward. It's not our salvation. That's not why we share it. We share it out of love. And if we think about the Holy Spirit going before us, he's already prepared that heart. He's made you cross paths. He's made the topic come up and given you an opportunity to share that's organic. That you can share your faith in what Jesus has done on the cross for you, for them, for the world. How it's affected your life and changed you as your faith grows. And it doesn't take a lot. We all know that compounding interest is awesome, right? If we're looking at our 401ks. But we want to have a compounding faith. So you tell two people, those two people, to each tell two people, and so on, and so on, and so on. And it started with just two people. So if you, and I did have to look this up, I did the math, so it is actually accurate. I didn't believe it, but I had to check it. So if you take a penny and you double it for 30 days, would you rather have that or a million dollars? If you double the penny for 30 days, you will end up with $5,368,709.12. I need a new uh, manager for my 401k. No. But let's not look at that as money. What if we looked at that as souls? Starting with you, starting with me, we each tell two people, those two people tell two more people, and it doubles, and they double, and they double, and 30 times out, that would be 5,368,709 souls. That's our mission. Jesus calls us to go and make disciples of all nations. It's the Great Commission. And I'm not saying that this is an easy task. We have the forces of the world and we have an enemy. Satan is against us. But remember, it comes in word in power and with the Holy Spirit. We have nothing to fear. So as we continue on our path of life, we continue to share the gospel of Jesus Christ so that those around us know who he is and what he's done for us. They know his love for them And his saving grace 
through his death and resurrection. And there will be times in this world where it will be heavy. But I'm going to leave you with Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Brothers and sisters, let us not become weary of doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let us not give up. Let us not give up. For we have the power of Jesus Christ inside of us. Through our baptism. Through the Lord's Supper. Through his word. Brothers and sisters, let us not grow weary and let us not give up. Until the whole world knows that Jesus is Lord. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.